this is a podcast. We have a special guest here today. Yeah. Returning to the podcast, I believe, for his third Probably time. our most uh, prevalent guest, right? It's he, between he and Robert. Right. Definitely is. Uh, is this the part where I walk out and walk back in without my pants on? <laughs> yeah. There's always something about nudity. Yeah, it's your memorable your... first, yeah. <laughs> Immortalized, your sack was immortalized in our podcast for his tits. Something about his city, he didn't have pants on, he said he was fanning out his sack or something like that. You're gay. Oh, well. Okay. Well, according to the last song that I heard <laughs> coming into the house here, I would say, yeah. How dare you? Say, All well, those who have not sung a Celine Dion song on this podcast. <laughs> not so fast, Jacob. Um, all right, all right, all right. Welcome, so, Alex, back to the podcast. Thank you. Alex is here. Thanks for having me. Um, he's here for a very specific, uh, subject, uh, but before we get to that, we have a couple things to talk about. Okay. Uh, I have a question for you. Okay. Can I leave now? Just call me back when you need (laughs) I'm scared to let you out of our sight. (laughs) Uh, here's my question for you, Joe, but Alex, feel free to chime in. In this day and age, this time of computers and everything, why do kids still need to learn cursive? Do you remember when we were kids, you'd have the paper with the, like, dotted, the three lines, the middle one's dotted, and you had to learn how to make all your cursive letters? Like that, have we? Um, I, I don't believe that cursive is necessary. I don't teach cursive. When I taught fourth grade, I had, like, a page of cursive where the kids uh, would practice it. They, the only reason that I would argue that kids would need to know cursive is to be able to read it when other people write it. But aside from that, I have no interest in teaching my kids how to write cursive. So I, I heard this question asked somewhere, either on the radio <clears> or in a magazine article or something, and one of the arguments that, that I saw in favor of it was it makes writing faster, obviously, because you're running the letters together versus everyone's writing in, like, block, you know, all caps or something. What's going to eventually happen is it's all going to be computerized, technological, kids are going to be typing on laptops or iPads and sending it directly to me so I don't have a bunch of papers that I take home. I right. just all have it on stored on an But I mean, still device, as a so. society, we'll still leave each other a note or something, right? I mean, people have oh, to know how to... You can leave someone to, a text message. People have to know how to... Well, if you don't know them, what if you backed into a car and you're leaving a note? Though I would never do that. <laughs> Wait, you're <laughs> supposed to leave a note? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not supposed to peel out and no, flee? <laughs> The time I did that 13 years ago, I did not leave a note. But I, I did look... Do you still feel like someone could... Oh, no, no. Uh, okay. I looked. There was no visible damage that I could see at 11 p.m. To in your the parking car. lot of the theater. Yeah, no. Well, if you had your car backed into it, Century Theaters, 13 years ago. Sorry. They probably still don't have that car, I would hope. Right, that's true. I always thought cursive was used to identify who the potential serial murderers would be. <laughs> nice. Like, you know, if you couldn't write cursive and you could only write really messy, like, block handwriting. Like, <laughs> if you could only cut kids. letters <laughs> out of magazines <laughs> right. and paste them, then they know. Right. I mean... Yeah, it's unnecessary. It's. I don't feel that, that I use it. I mean, you can see right here, something I've written on. I don't write in cursive. I don't make my cues like a number two, because right. that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do it just, like, at the end of the day when my kids are packing up. And I, this is something that, that I feel is very different from when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I've told you about it before, so I'll get your opinion on it. Um, uh, the kids all have an agenda. 
which is a physical thing, not like oh. they all have their own ideas about <laughs> yeah, what they're going to be doing. Uh, they have this agenda, and it's like basically a calendar, and each day there's a space for for assignments. And so they have to write in their agenda every day what their homework assignments are. Okay. And they take it home so they know all the different homework that they have and mm-hmm. they don't forget or whatever. And there's a place for parents to sign it. So parents have to sign it so that mm-hmm. I know that the parents... Like every s- night? Every night. Parent? Well, it's just a signature. Did you come up with this or is no. this something that... It's something that's been there. Okay. Um, so it's basic daily communication between the parents and I to know... Hey, the parents have some kind of clue as to what's going on. When I was a kid, the parents only had to sign it if you got an F or something. Right. right. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so... I, I feel like it's one of those things, maybe, that has been created to cover our asses as teachers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, you know, like, another thing I do is whenever I send tests home, I have them signed and brought back to me. That way... Every test? Every test. Or just bad ones? Every, every test. test. That way, I mean, obviously it's more important with the bad well, tests, and, then and those you, are the ones that come back less frequently. Once you've seen the signature, do you then give it back to the kid nope. or something? Nope. I hold on to it and I keep it in a file so that when parent conferences come around and their parent and the parent says, wow. how come my kid has a D in social studies? And I pull out all the tests and I say, here are the tests where he got Ds and the signatures that showed that you know that That is that. so That's sad. Like, it is sad. The, the parents can't put the, the paper on the refrigerator anymore. Because they have to give it back to you so that your ass is covered for the <laughs> conference. I mean, it's not surprising. That's that's what our entire society is coming to. One of my one of my coworkers uh, did a mass email of this cartoon that was like 1980, and it showed a, a kid bringing home a D, and the parents yelling at the kids like, "What happened?" And then it shows 2010, and a kid with a D paper, and it shows the kid and the parents yelling at the teachers right. saying what happened. Yeah. Like, right. you know, we've gotten away from, oh my God, you know, why? Nobody wants my... to take responsibility. Right. Like, it's not the kid's fault. Yeah. It's got to be our fault as teachers for not doing what we're That's sad. To. But smart of you to do. Yeah. It, I mean, in a way, I feel <clears throat> like it's one of those things where it's an, you know, an archaic or leftover uh, measure of somebody's intelligence from i mean think about like a hundred years ago there were no computers or no ipads or no iphones so it's almost like your you know measure of a person was weighed by how well you wrote or right. if you could yeah penmanship was a lot more important right sure. i mean think about like legal documents couldn't just be scribbled like right. you had to have like decent penmanship it was also a sign of like, literacy right right exactly well, and you would have a job that was a scribe right you know, way back in the day right right People whose job was to write neatly and Gutenberg, Gutenberg changed it all, ruined it forever. So now the question you're asking <laughs> is: as a society, if we've come this far to where clearly, you know, we have all these gadgets now and they're here to help us, do we still need this? And I would yeah. kind of argue that we do because cursive, yeah, because um, I think it kind of instills a little bit of discipline, that whole mentality of, like, accountability, you know? Like, I mean, if you don't learn some basics in school, like, where else are you going to learn them? Right. Or or are we just evolving that much to where, like, you know, 100 years from now, we won't need to write a note on the side of that, you know, beat-up police car that you accidentally (laughs) scraped. Well, like, in at the middle school and high school levels, they have this thing called School Loop, which is a computer program website thing that allows for even more communication between parents mm. and and teachers and kids. And so they can go on there and see their grades like at any time mm. and um, 
So there, that, that allows for that other communication. Now, obviously, it's necessary to have the internet and things like that, but presumably for most of society, we're moving in that direction anyway, where mm-hmm. having the internet is something that... Right. Just or you, you can go to the library or somewhere and, and use oh. a computer. Yeah, because, I mean, Laura talks about this all the time. She runs into current students that go to Moreau, her, her high school. Uh-huh. Everything's done on a laptop now. Like, those kids have to buy a laptop at the beginning of their freshman year that they carry through uh, until they graduate. So it's like, what need do they have? Well, and that's my thing. is like, isn't one of the reasons that you, that students were taught cursive was because you're going to spend a lot of time writing papers or, or, you know, writing letters and and whatever. I feel like part of that is laziness as a teacher Mm -hmm. because... I mean, it it, it may be more um, efficient, but I, like, I know for me, when I get things written, like a a paper written Mm -hmm. as opposed to typed, it's so much easier to correct it if it's typed. You know, double space and everything, it's so much easier to make these corrections, especially for kids that have bad bad handwriting. Right. It's so much nicer to just be able to read it on that and bust through it. And I bet it influences you too, subconsciously. Probably. I would bet a B plus paper that's typed becomes an A minus, and an A minus paper that's in bad handwriting. Well, becomes yeah, a B I mean, plus. if I have to take thirty minutes right, to right. slowly decipher this writing, right. yeah, you know, sometimes I'll just give it back to them and say, "I won't accept this. You need right. to Type go to the computer lab and type it or something." Like Ouch. That. Well, you know, I don't remember you having stellar penmanship. I'll, I can show you some of my kids' penmanship, and you'll see. Okay, it was never that bad. You remember the kids that had really bad handwriting. John had really bad handwriting. Yeah. Zach had really Robert. bad handwriting. Robert had really bad handwriting. Yeah, but we uh, we were cleaning out something and found our marriage <clears throat> license that Robert, as uh, my best man, had to sign. And his signature literally looks like a barcode. It's just a bunch of like scribbles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's Robert. He's probably writing know, cursive. That's a good point. If kids don't learn cursive, how are they going to come up with a signature? But right. you know kids. You remember when we were kids? You'd practice your signature over and over and over again. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. waiting until the moment when you were an adult and you actually had some use for a signature? Well, I just wrote Mrs. Jacob Timberlake over and over, <laughs> but, you know. Well, see, that's that's my point, though, is, like, let's let's think, like, what, okay, what's society going to be, like, 500 years from now? Like, Will the well, signature be like out 20 years from now? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't I mean, even think we can consider what it would be. I like suppose when we're busy right. fighting the Borg, we won't need to sign <laughs> yeah, our names. Exactly. I mean, yeah. We're going to have landed on, you know, have a colony on the moon, yeah. on Mars. But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but yeah, even 20 years from now, I mean, what if the signature becomes obsolete? I mean, what if, like, we all have... That's true, know, because all, all you ever do now is those... Swipe your card computers, yeah. and a lot of times I write like "fuck off" or just you know scribble a line because, or it'll be no one's ever that, like biometrics or whatever. Right, or yeah. you're, you're, pr- you're you know, using your thumb. But I'm saying even today, yeah. no one's no one's ever comparing <clears throat> your like driver's license or something, you know, or your back of your credit card with your receipt. Say yes, that's your signature. Did you hear about the new driver's licenses? No, I mean I heard there were some, but I don't know. Um... That just made me think of it. Uh, I I never read the paper because we don't get the paper. Right. But because it's online. Right. We don't need the paper. <laughs> there you go. Right. We were at my parents' house last night and they still get the paper and so I was flipping through it and everything and um, well, apparently the Weekly World News. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> apparently, in the new ones, the if they are provisional or under twenty one, I think mm-hmm. they're vertical rather than horizontal. Oh, I, did. I think I saw it on the news. I wasn't and, listening, but I saw them holding one uh-huh. vertically. And uh, they're supposed to have, like, two pictures, like, uh, the color one and then the smaller black and white one or something right. like that. One in your skinny jeans and yeah. one in your yeah. fat jeans. One from one with the wig. <laughs> right. yeah. Just for, to prevent, you know, forgery or yeah. whatever. But 
I, I feel like maybe when Rachel was doing one of her uh, sign up to be a teacher type things or fingerprinting or whatever, I feel like recently she had a story where they actually did look at her signature mm. on her license and they told her like make sure you do it the way you did or mm -hmm. something. You know, yeah, I mean, that's match it up. Right. But I mean, other than that, there's no like <coughs> when you when we bought our house, that was a big thing. We had to do it the same really? way on all of them. Yeah, you sign like five that million one. things. Yeah, because by the end, of, that's the other thing. Is like, I feel like like in college because I, I found a bunch of papers. I have these blue books where I wrote this essay and like you know you know six pages of handwriting and stuff. And now like after three words, my hand just gets so lazy and it's just you know because no one ever writes. Right. Well, on my signature the same way. It used to be much more yeah. stuff involved, and now it's just a J. Boom, done. Right. Yeah. So makes it easy when they ask for initials because I do the same thing for initials that I do for right my actual signature. It'll be interesting to see if our grandkids even know what cursive is. I hope to have no grandkids. Right. <laughs> so they probably won't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now that we've ended that abruptly, mm -hmm. um, come up with a segue. I did the last one. <clears throat> um, well, I we have our main topic of discussion, but then I have another question for you guys. I have a roommate best man boss that I just quickly came up with. So would you like it before the main soccer discussion? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know where I came up with this. Uh, I guess it stemmed... I was listening to a previous podcast um, where we were talking about Dushku. Mm, I love Dushku. Yeah, and uh, you admitted to watching some of Dancing with the Stars. I <laughs> did, I haven't watched it since. I'm kind so, of proud to say. But... So I have uh, three Dancing with the Stars contestants or mm. former contestants uh, for Roommate Best Man Boss. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Let's uh, Maybe it's also because I watched The Soup and one of these guys was on the, the most recent Soup. Okay. So here's number one. <clears throat> the Situation. Okay. <laughs> David Hasselhoff. Uh-huh. Rick Fox. Oh, Interesting. Have you done roommate best man boss with us before? I I have not had the pleasure oh, of well, doing it live on. The well, now we're gonna now we can... deflower you with roommate best man boss. Oh, let's see. So <laughs> it's gonna get messy. Uh, I'll go first, so Alex can prepare his uh, response. But I don't have a good answer, man. I know I do not want to live with the situation, right? Because you know he's gonna want to go clubbing and and bringing skanky girls home, and we'd have to. Find some place to put line. a hot tub. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm being realistic. I, I've I've watched he's Jersey too social Shore. for you, right? Yeah, he's too social for me. Um, Jacobs would be the curmudgeonly roommate. Leave me alone, you damn kid. And the, yeah, get off my lawn. The girls I've I'm seen, watching you on television. Damn it. <laughs> the girls I've seen the situation bring home have not been like super attractive. You would have to have Snooky around. Yeah, exactly. See, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if the situation was famous for something else, maybe I wouldn't be so anti-roommate. But he's famous for being on this show where he's living with people, and it's a place where I do not want to live. And he's physically aggressive, isn't he? I don't know. Like, couldn't he potentially try and start a fight with you? Would he, though? Or would he just, like, pull up his <clears> shirt <throat> and then flex? And he's like, what? I'd well, be like, all and, right. No, you, still... you would not be able to hold yourself back, and you'd let an F off fly, and yeah. then he'd try and beat you down. But, but does he have any fighting skills, I'm saying? I think he just poses. I mean, I can still kick him in the nuts when he's like, oh, look at these abs. You know? I bet he has small nuts from all the steroids. That's I bet correct. he does, too. <laughs> So I don't want Situation as my roommate. Uh, I mm, Maybe I'd want him as my best man. Uh, obviously the bachelor party would be 
more than I could handle or could ever want. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If, just... if Hasselhoff is your best man, you know he's singing. So do you want that or not? No. Uh, or at the very least, oh. hosting you. And we've all seen what uh, his speeches are right. like. I think, yeah, this is great. Okay, situation, we'll stick with best man. Okay. That's fine. Hoff, we're going to go boss. Okay. Maybe that means I'm a lifeguard. Maybe that means <laughs> I... That's am, smart. I think you've always de- been destined smart to be a lifeguard. Yeah, like whatever. But here's my, here's the one I care about. Rick right. Fox, roommate. Yeah. Rick Fox is Bring like home the 70 years old. Dushku is going to be hanging out. And he's going to be like, um, I just took my Metamucil. You know, I can't fool around. I'll be like, Dushku, I'm here. You know, <laughs> get used to it. Uh, so. Rick's off somewhere else doing something else and, and cheating on her, probably. Oh, definitely. So then With, you're... like, Betty White or something, because right. so... he's so old. <laughs> I got that. Yeah. Um, and whereas Dushku and, and I are, like, the same age. Uh, right. So you're kind of the fallback guy to... Right. To get that runoff. Yeah. When, uh, when Totally. Rick Fox heart. roommate, situation, best man, and, and working for the Hoff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Frequent trips think? to Germany, I assume, are involved <laughs> in whatever business we are Well, in. let's see... I, I like I like Jacob's line of thinking. Uh, the only reason I could think why I'd want the Hoff to be uh, my best man is because I actually like his singing. I actually enjoy. Uh, nice. I actually have uh, a few of his German CDs. No way. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, no, I was I, like, no. You just listen to ranchero music, right? Right, pretty much. Um, while I'm out back milking the cows and tending to my chickens. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, actually, I mean, best man, you'd have all the Baywatch babes there, right? Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, it's what true. better place to make a mistake in your marriage than on you your wedding day? You could have a Baywatch-themed have... wedding. True. That's I mean, true, exactly. Instead of walking down the aisle, you run in slow motion? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's not really slow motion. You I know, just can't run that fast in sand. That brings up a good point. I I haven't seen Yasmin Bleeth <clears throat> lately, but I had like a huge thing for her in uh, in high school or junior high, whenever it was. Right. should look up how she's looking lately. Right. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Right. Or no. I'm making it out to myself. Yeah, now, you guys will have to excuse me, but I really don't know who Rick Fox is. <laughs> who nice. do you follow in basketball? Oh, wait, the Rick Fox the from... The Rick Fox from the Lakers. Okay, okay, Jerry okay, Earl okay, okay, yeah, 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 was married yeah, yeah. to Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams, that's yeah. what I was saying. That's yeah. the first thing I... But then Got the fight with Doug You Christie. said, like, yeah, well, I Jacob threw He's me He's now up. dating Eliza Dushku. Get out of here. I know, I know, right? You when did, when did he do that? Vanessa Williams? I don't know. Oh, a while really, ago. Oh, well, I only listen to the podcast that I'm in. So. Okay. Nice. <laughs> well, that's why we have to have more of the, more of you in them so that you'll listen to more of them. Yeah, like, I, uh, so I put on Dancing with Stars and Eliza Dushka was in the audience. And I was like, that's right. random. And then we looked it up and she's dating Rick Fox. Wow. If you follow her on Twitter, as I do, you would know more about that. Maybe it, what does she tweet? I See, I need to, I need to get yeah, it. Yeah, just take crap. it off my shirt now. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, so going, so I guess Boss... Well, let me start with with Rick Fox. I, yeah, so the Hoff I could see being my best man. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see um, Fox being my roommate for the reasons Jacob pointed out. A lot of uh, Eliza Dushku. So and, you want to you want to work for the situation? Yeah, because I've always wanted to tell my boss to fuck off. Nice. So <laughs> that's probably you'd work at like a t-shirt store. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then I can just kick him in the nuts. Right. And I. When I say that, so. I think I might have Hasselhoff as my roommate. How come? I think he'd be traveling a lot and wouldn't be around. Yeah, but when I he think... was around, oh, just yeah, imagine then... the singing in the shower. <clears throat> You'd be trying to watch TV and you hear, you know, whatever 
Deutschland songs he sings coming out of the shower. Right. I don't know. I feel like he would have... I mean, obviously Rick Fox would make sense because I was a fan of him when he was on the Lakers and everything, but I feel like... Uh, Hasselhoff would have friends. Would be I, for oh, some reason I feel like, like Pam Anderson yeah. stopping by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like true. he would oh, have Pam. more friends that I would like for right. some reason. Could I don't know why. Even though he's maybe the kid that played Hobie. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's bailing him out of jail What's one that? night. Was it uh, Chokachi or something like that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Was that was that that guy? No, that was the other lifeguard guy. Oh, who's Hobie then? His kid. Yeah, he was, he was Hasselhoff's son. Who's Chokachi? David Chokachi. Yeah, he was a lifeguard. What was his name? The character? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, come on. I remember I Logan like... was the Australian one with the Fabio hair. Do you just remember the guys from that show? Or No, I just oh. remember the girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing. I don't remember Chokachi's name. That was the brunette guy. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm rooming with Hasselhoff. Um, and I will have Situation be my best man. Yeah. And I'll be have Rick Fox be my boss, because maybe it'll be basketball-related. Maybe you'll work for the Lakers front yeah. office or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that for makes sense smart. for you. My favorite Rick Fox statistic, mm-hmm. when he... He was originally on the Celtics, and mm. before he came to the Lakers, and he like had a bad kind of breakup with the Celtics. So he changed his number to 17, mm-hmm. because at the time, the Celtics had 16 championships, and he said that... He would win a championship with the Lakers before they won their 17th championship. That's why he changed wow. his number to that. Spiteful. Very spiteful. Very I like spiteful. That. I like that. Don't ever, don't ever quit working for him. Seriously. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So, to the matter at hand, which yes. is uh, this whole segment of my life that has pretty much been inspired by my run-ins with Alex, which is... Uh, Liverpool Football Club and how they have been a part of my life. Um, and how they are no longer going to be a part well, of Well, okay, here's the deal. Um, I, I, I pretty much became a Liverpool fan the worst time yes. when they've been... Apparently it was like the 1950s, the last time that they were this bad. Yes. They're, I, I've been watching them through various websites and... Or did you pick the best time? Because if you can show that you can stick with them through the bad ah. times, right, you instantly get fan street cred. I guess I'm getting Jacob a lot of... to the heart of the matter here. Well, yeah, but right now it sucks because I'm watching them and they're they're not fun to watch. Like any team they play, they look like they're way overmatched, mm-hmm. and they're not. I mean, they have quality players, presumably. Mm-hmm. So I still don't know enough about the sport to know if it's that the players are sucking, if it's that the coach has some strategy or his system is just mm-hmm. crappy and they haven't figured out how to play in it yet. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> currently they're in the bottom four for relegation to be moved down to the second league or whatever. Right. Um, and last week after they lost to a team that was in the <laughs> lower division last year, they lost a home to that team. By the way, their nickname, that team's nickname, Blackpool, the mm-hmm. Tangerines. Yeah. That's not good when you lose to the Tangerines. <laughs> Anytime um, you lose to a team nicknamed the Tangerines. Is that a British word for gays? <laughs> <laughs> the gays in the village. The black stool gays. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, you know, they have this whole problem with the ownership and they're owned by these American guys that are terrible and are running them into the ground and owe all this money. And over the summer, there were there was all this like hope of these Asian buyers that were going to come mm-hmm. in and turn it all around. And mm-hmm. The thing is, like, there are certain teams in the Premier League that are that have been purchased by some super wealthy guy. Mm-hmm. Chelsea with the Russian Abramovich, um, 
and uh, Manchester City, who was bought by some oil chic or something like that, right? I thought they were bought by Al-Qaeda. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like to think of it that way. Um, and then I don't know what Ar- who Arsenal's owner is. Well, they're actually one of the few, uh, if I can call them a big four club, since they are technically almost out of the big four. Well, Liverpool is certainly not in the top four anymore. Right, so. right. Uh, they're actually one of the few clubs that is still actually owned uh, by a majority of, let's say, um, uh, English like consortium, so to speak, of, of you know English-based Joe's anti-consortium, as we and, learned in the uh, last podcast. Yes, and uh, you know even... Coalition. Oh, Coalition. Co- right. Uh, even uh, a certain... Portion of the of the of the uh, fan base has you know stock. So they're domestically shares. owned. Yes, they are domestically owned. However, there is a uh, American business sports business tycoon or investor who uh, does have a twenty nine point nine eight shares. Uh, yeah, uh, um, ownership in the group, and the reason why. It's specific like that is because he, if he buys, I think, 0.02 more percent of the club, he has to then state his intentions as to what he plans on doing with the club, whether he's going to actually uh, launch a takeover or, you know. But but that's one of the things about Arsenal that I think uh, is still kind of set it apart from a lot of the other bigger clubs in, in England, at least, is that uh, there's still a sense of, um, you know, you know, community-based connection, you know, a lot of the clubs, and we, and really in English football, the way that it's worked the last few years is uh, you've seen a lot of these big-time investors come in and, and try to just all of a sudden overnight change things in the club, but what's happened is with this, with the whole economic crisis, the global economic crisis, uh, is, it's really kind of limited to the, you know, 0.001% Point zero zero one percent of the population of the world that can still make you know professional sports in that setting profitable. So you know, I think well, it's I think, not profitable for a lot of people. Like, isn't Manchester right. United just like <clears throat> hemorrhaging money? I was actually just listening to this too on the way up here. Uh, Man U only has, I think, a turnover of like uh, I want to say two or three million pounds a year or something like that, like an actual profit. And I, I think when you take away the costs of running the club and the income that's coming in. It's, it's, it's small in terms of, of that, but then there's other, you know, there's other monies that they get from TV contracts and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's actually, um, there's actually a really good article on ESPN soccer net right now called, or that deals with the business of, of professional in particular soccer in, in Europe and how so many of the biggest clubs are like so far in debt Right. That there's no way they could be able to, in in this current economic situation. There's no way they'd be able to um, to reconcile that debt or pay it off. But it it's almost like it doesn't matter because the money, the influx of money from fans and you know basically the whole infrastructure is set up to support these teams no matter what. You know. So well, well here's the problem with Liverpool is a problem um, is. Apparently, if they're not sold, if the sale doesn't go through by like Friday or something like right. that, which by the time this podcast is released will already have passed, right. um, they will receive a nine point deduction, mm-hmm. which they don't even have nine points. So right. they'll be in negative points right. for the league if they get this. Right. Why, why do they get a point <clears throat> deduction if their team's not sold? Because it's, well, it's, it's if 
it, it's if the ownership is so like messed up to the point where they're insolvent, mm-hmm. then it's a penalty for the club itself. Right, wow. like it punishes the ownership and all that. That's, right, that's weird. I mean, it's, that would never happen in American right. sports. Well, team. and yeah, I think we should probably explain uh, just a quick thing. See, that's one of the things about in particular, and I'll just stick to the English Premier League. So in in America, it would be like as if the NFL. Or let's just say the commissioner's office was its own entity, and all of the NFL teams kind of owned their own like um, their own rights, their own like um, I, I don't know the, the the legal terms, but um, it, it's like they're still governed and they're still sanctioned by like an overall American football ruling body. So in, in, in England, what you have is you have the FA, the Football Association, which basically governs all things soccer, and then you have the Premier League, which is its separate entity that's right. formed by the individual clubs. So that's why they would be docked those points because it's like it's basically but saying would a it, company. Would you say that, it's like the difference between the USGA and the PGA, maybe. Um, like USGA is yes, all things American soccer. Exactly. You, PGA is that's, like a specific. That's a great example. That's a great example. <clears throat> the USGA governs. The uh, the rules of golf and oversees tournaments and tournament play and rules and rulings and stuff. But the PGA kind of forms its own like league, so to speak. Right. So they have the PGA Tour. But I, mean, I was I was just thinking like major like like baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. if if there was a team that was up for sale or something or in debt and they made the playoffs, the mm-hmm. the commissioner, you know, MLB would not say no. You're you're losing points because of your financial situation. Well, think well, about this. In college football this year, USC had its former national title stripped. Right. They said you are no longer national champions from 2004 because Reggie Bush took this money. Right. He's no longer Heisman winner from that. Then, year. Right, but that's different overseas. than like the college than, than It's more just, past than current. Right. But, still. but that that's more like bribery charges right. than than poor, poor ownership. Administration, yeah, I right. mean, I think that the <laughs> business side in American sports is more removed. I mean, it, it would mm-hmm. never impact the, the points, you know, or the outcome mm-hmm. of, of a team season. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, I guess it would be kind of like akin to a team having to be forced into forfeiting, let's say, a game or something like that because – several. I mean, nine you know, or points several is a lot of yeah, because, of, yeah. because of mismanagement. Because right, of mismanagement. Right. Like if all of a sudden, you know, the Kings, you know, show up the first day of, of the NBA season and, oh, you know, we don't have the, a full team. Well, the league's probably going to sanction them somehow. You know, it might right. make them forfeit that game or however many games until they get a full roster or whatever. It would be something similar to that. You know, so so yeah, Liverpool are definitely which would actually I don't know if Joe knows it, it would be historic for a big quote unquote big club like that to actually face uh, those kinds of sanctions. You know, well, it, and to I mean, it would it would make relegation a realistic possibility. I mean, technically, it still is a realistic possibility. You could yeah, say, but I'm not sure if I buy that. I'm not sure. I mean, Liverpool. You gotta watch too... them, dude. They are bad. <laughs> I, I well, I'm not one to jump ship easily. Outside of the first game that uh, of the season, which we saw together, I, I really haven't seen them play much. But I think this is why I think the English Premier League is uh, is ripe for the American public because what you're seeing in 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 supporting your own club is there is so much more that goes into the dynamics of following a team over there because the drama of like not just the games but all the stuff off the field that 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 could impact a club is uh i mean i i really don't see a lot of 
something like that here in in the states. It's it's almost like um, I feel like there's the tabloid culture also in England has a lot to do with it. You know, it's yeah. it, it's very much a what what are these people doing off the field and and, and that what's stirs Joe up Cole's interest. Wife shopping for right, right exactly now. right exactly. But but yeah, I mean. Um, this is why it makes watching the league so interesting to me is because, yeah, Liverpool, this great story, possibly the, the most storied club in, in, in England, is facing all these problems. And, yeah, I mean, they'd be put into a situation where it's not looking good for the season, but um, there's there's still a lot to be, you know, a lot of games to play. And, and I think this will all get sorted out um, Well, here, here's in, in the coming weeks. Well, this next week is a big one because there's now a buyer on the horizon. And it's one of the reasons why we're meeting today to talk about this is the buyer yes. is John Henry. Creepy John, John Henry. Creepy Henry. John Henry. Yeah. Uh, owner of the New England Sports Ventures or something like right. that. Uh, including the ownership of the Red Sox. Right. And it's also Tom Warner too, right? And Tom Warner. Yeah. Former right. 80s sitcom producer. Sitcom producer, which is that. awesome. Yeah. Um, With Marcy Carcy? <laughs> indeed. Um, and I'm excited about this. Uh, one of the things I read today, and there's so much rumor that goes around, so it's hard to tell if it's true or not, but the rumor is that if if they do receive that nine-point deduction, that these guys are going to walk. Now, to me, that says that they're not super serious, because they're not mm-hmm. super serious about it because... That to me, a nine-point deduction is a small setback. I mean, obviously, yeah. if they jump, if they fell from the Premier League to the next league, that yeah. would be a huge loss in terms of revenue and right. things like that. Right, right. But I would hope they would have the confidence to say, "We're going to do it regardless." Yeah, that doesn't strike <clears throat> me as. I mean, they're already in the bottom, right. like you said, three, four, bottom three in the yeah. league. It's not like uh, you know, it's not like a team like Liverpool who has all of the players that they have can't overcome a, basically a, a three win deficit. Right. Um, you know, especially when you, when you consider, if you look, I think if you look at the last, I don't know, four or five years and what the points total was to avoid relegation, mm-hmm. it's only something like, you know, it's, it usually jumps between 35 and 39 points. Uh, I mean that's that's definitely doable. They, well, they have one win so far, which is the problem. Yeah, they, and and that's the thing is is they should have two because if it weren't for that fluky Arsenal goal, <laughs> I've really well, changed so much in my mind. I feel like that small little thing, that little own goal, like it changed. You know, if we'd started with a win, and uh, anyway, is that the goal when you were in the bathroom? No, that was the goal we scored. Oh, okay. Yes, it was that the was... one where the goalie accidentally knocked it into the goal himself that tied it at like ninety. One minute. Pepperina. Yeah. Oh, yes. Pepe penis Reina. queen. So, <laughs> <laughs> meaning penis. Reina. Oh, I thought queen. you were talking about. <laughs> uh, I was talking to you? Yeah. So, are you really considering dropping your support of yeah. Liverpool? You know, I, that's the question. I, because I was a million dollar question. You put a lot of thought into choosing. I did. Them, right? I did. And I thought, I, I, I thought, okay, if I'm really considering this, like, where else would I go? Who else right. would I go to? Because I still feel like I can't do Chelsea, I can't do Man United, I can't right. do Arsenal right. just because I have to fight with this guy. Right. right. Um, Man City is one that I thought about, oh. although they're like kicking butt right now, and so right. that's kind of jumping you on love the bandwagon. Man City. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Plus, it's got yeah, Isn't that, man that bar City. I used to hang out at. <laughs> that was the manhole, actually. Um, but honestly, honestly, the Red Sox owners coming in has kind of swept any of those thoughts to the side. Right. If they can come in and kick Tom Hicks, current owner, out and replace them, I'm willing. I mean, I'm 
I have blind faith right now just because I don't mm-hmm. know any better. Right. So, like, this new coach came in. Roy Hodgson, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. Right. No, he sucks. You know, these new owners come in. Well, they did a lot of good with the Red Sox. Right. right. They made them a, a club with a culture of winning. Perennial and expectation, yeah, every year. So, you know, year. they've said, well, they still have a good record. No, I know. I know. Yeah, if they, they were in the NL West, they might have. They oh, were going to contend. <laughs> um, you know, they've said, "Oh, we're going to buy up all the debt. We're going to look mm-hmm. into uh, one of the big topics for Liverpool fans has been a new stadium." Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're they're not like we're definitely buying a new stadium. And if you think about it, with Fenway, they didn't buy a new stadium. No, they, they refurbished the old one. Right. I mean, there's been there's <clears> been <throat> movements to build a new Fenway next door, like the Yankees did, but it right. never. It, I think it's always put to a ballot, and it never passes in the city. Mm. The fu- the thing is, I feel like Anfield is kind of like Fenway, and that it's this mm. old stadium with a lot of history and tradition. Mm. And my guess is they'll probably do the same thing as they did with Fenway, which is kind of you know reef you know put money into it to right. to maybe expand it, get some more seats in there. But also, you know, keep it as it is this traditional thing, and I'm fine oh. with that. I mean, I don't. Well, you got to figure a lot of a lot of uh, the them making a decision on that is going to hinge on. See, every club wants to have a new stadium, <clears throat> right? You know, there's no mistake about that. When you look at uh, potential uh, earnings, especially with you know uh, England or London slated to host the Olympics, you know. Right. England's such a small country that there's going to be spillover from, you know, to events, you know, outside of London. Uh, but then you have uh, England also bidding for the 2018 World Cup. Right. You know, those are all things that these guys are looking at. I mean, yep. they're looking that far ahead. So, you know, that's definitely on the table. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a, a defining factor in their decision as to whether or not they can move forward with this. Because they're not moving forward just to buy, Anf- or, you know, just to buy uh, Liverpool and stay where they're at. You know they're definitely right. looking to 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 turn over a profit. I mean they're looking long term here. Yeah. You know, but um, I mean, but that's I, what Tom Hicks said too. So you, exactly, you know, a lot of right. Liverpool fans are once bit twice shy about that. Do you know anything about the the motive of John Henry, Henry to want to do this? Is he like oh, I've always wanted a soccer team? Or no, is he well, I think it's a good I mean, investment. I think, I think he considers it a good good investment. Okay. I think he sees with the Red Sox when you turn. I mean, a team that has tradition and you make them a a winning team that's something that a lot of people get behind you know right the, and and you win a ch- t- title what did that do for the red sox yeah. in terms of the number of fans it made it from it being a cool thing to be a red sox fan because they're always like right. oh maybe next year we'll get them to now there's red sox fans coming out of every orifice right. and they're annoying because there's so many of them the impetus but is, it's good for their pockets the impetus right. is money it's always money yeah. right. i mean you, you look at uh you know the possible selling price i think it's been you know the figures that are that have been bandied about are you know two hundred thirty million pounds or three hundred million pounds. That club is worth at least three times that in terms of right. you know overall value that right. a club can. Which is why Hicks and Gillette don't want to sell the club because they realize if they can somehow finance or refinance the debt that they've you know accrued in owning the club, they basically are sitting on a cash cow. I mean. The Glazers, you know, the Glazer family, the owners of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, basically did the same thing, except they were somehow able to manage a lot of that debt that they have. But even then, I've I've been reading some stories about how their businesses over here in the states are tanking. I think they're they're owners of like a, a series of strip uh, a company that owns a series of strip malls, and like you know they're close to to to, to basically you know folding on that. So. 
there's money there. It's just that the current situation that the that Hicks and Gillette are in is really unmanageable because they have so much debt and they bought the club with so much debt, and and then. And they did it right before the economic crisis right. hit. So now they have all this interest and 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 you know back interest. So it, it, it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. But I also think for, they're just doing a bad job. I mean, yeah. I there was a, set, a Sports Illustrated poll about baseball owners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they rated the baseball owners. Henry was second overall out of all thirty baseball owners. Right. Hicks was second from last. Right. So I mean, you look at Who that. Was first? And you think, uh, I don't remember. My guess would be uh, Moreno, Artie Moreno, for the Angels, because mm. he's put a lot of money in the club and okay. they had some success. Um, but uh, but the, all this financial talk is boring. Let's get to the heart okay. of the matter all right. here. Here's it's what, what makes do. you a fan of a team, and what does what makes you a they unfan? Need, they that need team. to start spending money and getting top players. Okay. And here's what they need to do. I have the new FIFA 11 game. And, uh, <laughs> of course. All, I've done extensive research. It always research. comes back. <laughs> and here's what I've figured out. Here's how, here's how you need to compose they, your team. They need to create okay. their own player? They need to. In their own, in well, their own like, my, my, my player is not the key to yeah, okay. the success of my Liverpool franchise. Um, actually, what I'm doing right now is I'm kind of moving him around to the different positions to, to, to increase his statistics in different ways. So actually right now I'm the goaltender. Oh, there you go. But I don't play as I play as everybody. Anyway, um, I think they need to get rid of Torres. Torres, mm. I mean, he's like their marquee guy. Uh, he's unsettled. But he's just not doing it. And he, they can bring in a lot of money for him. Um, I think he scored one goal this season so far. He he is, as they would say in England, his head has been turned. Yeah. Meaning his his heart is now somewhere He's, else. he's our Randy Moss. Right. right. Exactly. Um, Very, except he's 26. Well he's not right. you know, 36 <laughs> right. or whatever. Um, here's what they need to do. Here's what I, here's how I've composed my Liverpool team. I have some of our, our key guys, mm-hmm. uh, even though some of them are old, like Carragher is old and, uh, Gerard's but I, I still have, he's getting up Entering there. the twilight of his career. But I still have Gerard. Um, <coughs> we need African guys up front. I'm not being racist. We need, but we need some speedy because they're fast. They, right? they they're speedy <laughs> and they can finish. So in my in my franchise and and based on what franchise you have, you have a certain amount of transfer funds right. that you can use. Right. And it's actually really well made. It's not just like oh, I'm selling this guy for this much or I'm buying. Right. You know, it's like okay, I'm putting these guys up for sale, and clubs will contact you and say, well, I'm willing to offer you this much, right. and you can renegotiate with them. You have to negotiate a weekly salary as well and right. everything. Um, same like. I say I want to purchase Lionel Messi, right? right. And it's it puts his amount as like let's say seventy million pounds. Right. I'm like, all right, I'll put an offer for seventy million pounds, and they'll write back and say, mm, no, you need like ninety five million. Right. Right. Something right. above it, almost right. always. Right. Um. So on my team, I've got uh, Samuel Eto. Okay. Uh, Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, costs a lot of money, but worthwhile. He's a, a Ni- Ivory Cameroonian. Coast? Cameroonian? Yes. Okay, Cameroonian striker. Um, and then I found a little diamond in the rough. Okay. A speed guy. His last name is Obasi. Obasi. O-B-A-S-I. Okay. Um, young guy, like 20, 22, 23 maybe. I was looking for youth and I was looking for speed. What team did he come from? It's some. Ra- it's like 1899 something. Like some random like team. Germany, Munich? Yeah. Well, Munich? No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't like a big team. It was, okay. He was kind of like in, in their ratings... He was like a seventy-eight. Okay, 
Now, the funny thing about soccer games, as opposed to all the other ones, no, like, I think Messi is the top guy, and he's 90. Right. There's no one, you know, like in baseball games or football games, there's always guys that are 98, 99. Right, right. Guys. No one's above 90. Right. I kind of like that humility of it. Like, right. we don't have any, you know. Um, I think it's because they have the the legends of football team that you have that to play are, against, and they're like. But all... there are no guys right now that are like legendarily awesome. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess Messi and Ronaldo and those guys would probably have to fit that category. Or like a goalkeeper that's super good, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I got I got those African guys up front. In the back, in the in the center. I have uh, Europeans, right? So I got some Spanish, I got some uh, some English guys. So I got right. Gerard there. Um, who else do I have? I have actually a lot of uh, a lot of Liverpool Liverpudlian guys. Right. I still have Cole and things like that. Um, and then in the back, I have my South Americans. Right. Okay. I have my Brazil, my Brazilians, my Argentinians, yes. who are the strong defenders. Right. Good at uh, cheating. Well, if need be, and so that's how I've composed my team. Um, I, I, there are so some, it's organized by race, not right. really, but but, but I mean, it is to some degree. Okay. I mean, it's it's mixed up because Carragher is uh, is an English guy and he's right. in my backfield as well. Right. Um, but like I have, I I think I have some Spanish guys back there. Lucio right. is a Spanish guy, right? right? Uh, I, Lucio, I think is Brazilian. Oh, I'm is mistaken. he? Okay. Yeah. How about Mycon? Mycon is also Brazilian. Okay, so I do have South Americans back yes. there. Because I have those two guys in my back there. Yes. Um, and so I was right about the South American. Good, I feel better now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we need we need some... We have some big-name guys in terms of, like, Gerard and Torres. But aside from that, I feel like the as I'm going along, the big-name guys are kind of more big-name for Liverpool as opposed to everyone else. Like, right. like, I don't see a bunch of people beating down the door to get Carragher. I mean, as right. much as Liverpool loves this guy, he's he's... From the area, he's been there forever. Right. He's like, you know, he is Liverpool essentially. He's thirty two, right. thirty three years old, and no one's no one's gonna pay. Yeah, and they, I mean, not that they'd trade him anyway, but yeah, he's lost. Know. He's lost a step. I mean, in real life, he's lost a step. So he's also another guy entering the twilight. That career. that's another thing I'm looking at when I'm when I'm making these transfers is I need to get young guys, right? Because he like that's how I was able to get Lucio. He's an older guy, and so mm-hmm. the cost is not as much. Mm-hmm. So, so this is all what you've done. <clears throat> this is kind of if you were John Henry, right, what right. you would do. And my my the reason I'm going through this is it has it has helped me remain confident in Liverpool because okay. rather than like on my video game saying, oh, I'm going to take Manchester City and buy all these guys right. with their untold billions, right? I'm going to see what I can do with Liverpool and you know. Still play that as them and root for them. So if if the deal does not go through and they're not bought by the right. New England sports <clears throat> ventures, and Hicks continues to be the owner, then I'm gonna, you, I don't know. Are yeah. you going to abandon your team of the last two months? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think so. I gotta tell I you. So. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I gotta I, tell I'm you, glad to hear that too. I've, I've watched the uh, the Ken Burns tenth inning, and I watched the thirty for thirty on on the Red Sox 2004 win. Right. And not that I want them to go in their 86 years, but I'm, I'm kind of okay with they're not in the playoffs this right. year. Like, I kind of want a little stretch because I think it makes you that it much more of a out fan. The... Yeah, well, I don't care about weeding out the other fans, but it, it makes <clears throat> it, when it does happen, right. that that's much no, that's better. Because right. you look at, like, the old-timers in 2004, you know, these 86-year-old guys right. with uh, tears going down their cheeks because their team finally won. Right. 
And that's great, you know, but, you know, when you go from 2004 to 2007, you're not like, oh, finally. You're like, right. hey, we won again. Right. You know, I mean, like, like it when, makes you a, more, a better fan. Like, I've always wondered, when did you become a, a Red Sox fan, Jacob? 1999, after okay. the Yankees swept the Padres, and I was railing against the Yankees, and, right. oh, I hate the Yankees, F the Yankees, and, right. and people were like, oh, you sound like a Red Sox fan, and I was right. like, all right, you know, I just moved, um, I didn't have a home team anymore, I couldn't, you know, I right. mean, I could have stayed with the Padres, I guess, from, from Northern California, but right. I didn't really have a team, and so I kind of slowly adopted that. Okay, so you never had any real ties to any one particular team, like like real emotional ties? No. Okay. Until we until we live in San Diego and we went to Padres games all the time. And see, and that's the thing is like I think you form those ties with a team almost organically. Like it's it it, it happens almost out of circumstance. Like because I don't know if, I, I don't know if I've really told you guys how I became an Arsenal fan. I don't know if we we've, we've covered that. But basically, I feel in a lot of ways like Arsenal chose me. And the reason I say that is because you know if if there's any you know, EPL fans out there, or I'm sure, as as you even know now, Joe, coming into the uh, the <laughs> fold. Um, but uh, you know, the EPL hasn't really been um, you know promoted over here until maybe two, three, four years ago. Well, um, in '94, when the World Cup was here in the U.S., um, you know, I watched almost all the games that summer, uh, and I came away from that summer saying. My favorite player is this Dutch guy named Dennis Bergkamp. And I remember saying was to myself... Was he the cutest? He was actually not a bad-looking man. Shorts. Yes. <laughs> I like... Um, actually, Clivert was my favorite player. Clivert was another great player he, from that team. He looked exactly like Blair Underwood. Oh, good call. Like that is a great call. exactly like him. Great call. That is a great call. So he so, would have been in your front line. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Although exactly. technically he's from Netherlands. But right, yeah. right. I, I'm not, it's not the color of the skin. It's right, like, exactly. If there are white Africans, that's cool. That's it's, exactly. It's the color of the passport. Exactly. Right. Okay. Some, South, some South Africans I'd be able South to have Africans. in my uh, there you go. front line. Um, so then fast forward <clears throat> four years later, and I never Egyptian knew who team. he played for. I never knew who uh, Bergkamp was, you know, that he was part of a team, or I mean, which team he played for, I should say. I just always said, I'm going to follow whatever team that guy's on. It sounds like yeah. a villain in a Nazi movie. It it does kind of sound like, and he actually does kind of look a little Nazi-ish. A little wreckish. Right. But, uh, so, like, <laughs> so the 98 World Cup comes, and my favorite player from that World Cup emerges as Thierry Henry, the great Arsenal legend. Uh, and French. Little, exactly, French guy. That's the only... Downfall. Oh, Theory Henry. Yeah, the Theory <laughs> Henry. Um, well, I come to find out, that was the first year I found out, actually that summer, uh, the coach of Arsenal, Arsene Wenger, uh, actually bought Thierry Henry, and he was now an Arsenal he player. He was coached back then, too? Yeah, he was, he's been coached since 96. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. So, to um, have your coach's name and your team name start with start, the same show, yeah, that's pretty that, cool. That is pretty cool. That, yeah. That's actually, that was definitely a bonus. Your coach should be called Liver Someone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, liver Spots. Yeah. There you go. Um, liver but, Paul. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I found out he played for Arsenal. But not only did I find out that Thierry Henry you know, was bought by Arsenal, I found out that Bergkamp also happened to be an Arsenal player. And he was an Arsenal player since... 
the 94 World I'm Cup. I'm guessing it would have been a lot harder to get that information back then since the internet didn't a exist. A lot harder. You know, like, I'd like, be like, oh, I'll look up this guy oh, on Google. Oh, Alex just had to write letters to people. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, actually, the only EPL covers back... Like microfiche in the <laughs> yeah, library. Right. You would write them in cursive. <laughs> the Daily Mail. Please, tell me when you have it in. Dear English pen pal. Right. Where's um, Thierry Henry? Uh, but yeah, I found out that year that um, those they were both Arsenal fans, and I said, okay, if that's the done deal, that's my team. Now, I haven't really watched them or any of their games. Or I didn't oh, start I watching them. When I have my t-ball team. There you go. And Steve Sachs. It, it grows organically. Yeah. But I really didn't start following them until about 2005, which was the year after their last major trophy. Now, I've been suffering with them for five trophyless years. Right. Well, okay, you've been suffering. Right. But, like, suffering meaning still top five of the table. Well, and, and I guess that's the thing. I, I think a lot of people, a lot of American sports fans will have a hard time understanding why that's such a big deal. Because here in the States, it's like, if you're not number one, you're nothing, right? right. You know, it's like, there is no second place. Whereas I think the structure of sport in Europe, and in particular English soccer, is built around different levels of reward, so to speak. Well, and know? there's the, all the different cups and things like that. Exactly. That's, that's something that I've learned along the way as well, is that, uh, and, and I heard this term, and I thought it was really interesting for a second, that there are cup teams right. as well as league teams. Right. So, like, because you have your weekly games, you mm -hmm. know, you also, if you're still in the FA Cup, which is all the teams in right. England, right. or the Champions League, or right. whatever... You also have these other games thrown in midweek. Right. So, like, Liverpool will have a game on Sunday, but they'll also have a game Thursday. Right. Like, a couple days before it. Mm -hmm. Right. So they have to decide, like, if, like in football, imagine if they had games midweek as well. Right. You wouldn't necessarily want to play all your players two, two times in a span of three or four days. Right. right. Or especially if, like, you're a good team, like, <clears throat> say, uh, the Patriots, and then, you know, midweek you're going to play, you know... I don't know, the, the Rams. The Mountain Lions. Right, exactly, yeah. The Rams, and then your big game is, you know, Sunday against, you know, the Jets or, right. you know, the Colts or whoever. Yeah, it's the same way. So you know? so the idea is, you know, there are certain teams that maybe know that they're not, they don't have what it takes to win the league. Right. So they put their focus in these cup games right. to try to right. advance and maybe eliminate those big teams that don't right. put all their efforts into it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. Which is, which I think is really fascinating. It, that, that you kind of say, well, there's no way we're going to win this other thing, so let's try our best right. to do this, this kind of secondary issue. Which is why you see a lot of these smaller teams, like, you know, go for big cup runs, like in the FA Cup. So you'll or... see, you'll see, you know, Chelsea in the final against, like, Reading or something. Right, exactly. And then it's like, how the heck did that team get there, right. you know? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that you, you, I'm glad to hear you're not quite ready to abandon ship. Because I'm, I think... Yeah. I think that that's part of. Fandom. I needed to talk to you guys yeah. and have you guys kind of set me straight. To, yeah. To, yeah, you gotta yeah. stick with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, says the guy who's not suffering at all. Right, right, exactly. Right. But I'm just saying, <laughs> sitting from your ivory tower, judging me. <laughs> you, you in a few years, you know, if they do get relegated and they come back and whatever, in a few years when they're like on on the top of their game, it'll mean that much more to you. That's right. Then you'll become a fan. Sure. <laughs> Soccer. I, I read the book. I, it didn't make me a fan. So you you don't have to be a huge fan, but you, like you when they win, you can be like, yes. And when they lose, you're like, it, oh. It man. made me uh, be able to follow the conversation between you two a little more. Right. And I know what relegation is and, and these things. Uh, but yeah, you know, soccer's not for me. These silly Nancy English things. Sure. <laughs> what? <laughs>
right. Well, um, do you want to sing at the end of this one too? No, or, uh... I don't. I don't. Really, a little walk on with your, your or, fellow or maybe fan. you should sing. Yeah, no, I think maybe we should have Alex thing. sing him uh, a David Hasselhoff song since he's such a big <laughs> David right, Hasselhoff. That's right. You have all the dark helmet. That frightens me. Um, all right. All right. Well. 55 minutes, 56 minutes almost. Yeah. A lot of, uh, Only a one-part soccer podcast this time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's too bad. Oh, well. That's, That's a really podcast. Too bad. That's a podcast. That is a podcast. Yo! Yeah.